Let's all turn to Romans chapter 8. Good morning, everybody. I was thinking, I was sitting there thinking, well, there's not a lot of time left. But I had this word on my heart, and then Kazi calls out this hymn, and I said, well, I I guess I have to say it, because the message of the hymn just matched perfectly with what I feel like the Lord was laying on my heart this morning. What an amazing few thoughts we've had today. That the Lord in His grace not only died for us, not only was raised, not only ascended, but is even interceding for us. We had this 281, hymn 281. What a beautiful song. Speaking of the Lord, there in glory, it says in verse 2, He's touched with a sympathy within. He knows our feeble frame. He knows what sore temptations mean, for He has felt the same. But spotless, undefiled, and pure, the great Redeemer stood while Satan's fiery darts he bore and did resist to blood. He, in the days of sorrowing flesh, poured out his cries and tears. And though ascended, feels afresh what every member bears. Then boldly let our faith address the throne of grace and power. We shall obtain delivering grace in every needed hour. Just a few thoughts today on that fact that who could ever be against the believer in any meaningful way. When the Lord Jesus is on our side, when He has taken us as His own, there's nothing that the enemy could ever do to threaten our security, to threaten our uh, position as beloved and embraced and accepted by God the Father. There's nothing that could separate us from the love of Christ. We need that reminder again and again. You know, we have Satan described as the accuser of the brethren. That's his full-time job. He accuses us. To who? I think that in a way, he accuses us in the presence of God. He's basically pointing at us saying, that's your person? That's the way your people live. But he accuses us in the minds of other people, other people at work. He plants those little seeds of thought in their mind. That's what a Christian's like. I wouldn't want any part of that. This loser. But most importantly, I think his full-time attention is to accuse us in our own mind. The court of our own mind, Satan whispers and attempts to say, you are, you can't be loved by God because look at how you're living. You can't be filled with the Spirit. Look at that thought that you just had and entertained. We're being accused. We're all day long in court. I remember my short experience with court was not pleasant. I was there for... uh, I've had a couple experiences with the court, but 
I was there on jury duty, you know, trying to see if I was going to be on the jury. It's a terrible place to be, the court. It's nerve-wracking. Everyone's nervous. Everyone is upset. Everyone is stressed. And that is what it's like spiritually for us every day. Satan is accusing you. But thanks be to God, we have the Lord Jesus as our advocate. Look at Romans 8. And just really briefly here. Romans 8. After this beautiful chapter, and one that we need to spend time reflecting on maybe once a month, read it. Read it again and again. But by the time he gets to verse 33, he says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect, His chosen one? Who shall bring any charge against God's chosen one? And it's as if he looks around. He's looking for somebody that has a right to bring an accusation against you and against me. He says it's God who justifies who is to condemn. Once again, Paul's looking around. God justifies who can condemn you. And who does he see? The Lord Jesus. Only He has the right to accuse you, to condemn you. Only He would have the right to bring a full charge against you. And so Paul basically says he's the only option. What do we think? Is he going to do it? Is he going to bring a charge against God's elect? Well, let's see what he did. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is seated at the right hand of God and indeed is interceding for us. So it's like he's basically saying, only he could condemn you, but I don't think he's going to do it. Because look at what he's done. In his death, we see his love. In his resurrection, we see his power. In his ascension, we see his authority. In his intercession, we see his compassion. All four of these things assure us as believers that there is no case that could ever stand against us. Because the only person who could ever bring it loves us amazingly beyond our comprehension, is more powerful than any being, has all authority handed to Him by God the Father, the Judge, and is deeply compassionate towards us. That's not the kind of person that's going to bring a charge against you this morning. That's not the kind of person that's going to take you to court and say, why did you have that little thought today? I thought you said you were going to speak nicer to your wife. Why did you do that? He is not out to get you. He's not out to get me. You know, just really briefly, look at each one. In His death, we see His love for us. Go to 1 John. Everybody knows John 3.16. But we can also memorize 1 John 3.16. I guess He loved 3.16, John. I don't know. We always put a nice one right there. 1 John 3.16 He's going on and on about love. But he says this in 16, By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. 
Not only that, but over in in chapter 4, look at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And then basically it's like John saying, well, all this talk about love, what is love? What does it look like? In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And so when we look at the cross, when we look at the cross, His death, we see love. Your lawyer loves you. In other words, the only one who could accuse you has a deep love. He loves you more than you could ever love yourself, than that your mom ever loved you, your wife, your husband. He loves you like a father and a child. Is that father going to take the child and say, take him to court and say, look, look what my child did. No, his love covers a multitude of sins. What about his resurrection? In Romans 8 it says, Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Flip back a little bit in Romans 8. Just a little earlier than that. Because it's one thing if He loves us, but what if He's not able to help? It's one thing if we can be constantly assured of His good intentions toward us, but maybe He's too weak. Maybe Satan's stronger. Where's the proof? Where does my trust rest? And it rests in the resurrecting power that was shown when Jesus raised from the dead. So Romans 8 tells us in verse 9, well, not really 9, verse 10, if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The resurrecting power of God revealed in the empty tomb is now at work in your favor. In other words, it's at work in you, purifying you, taking you to the finish line. Are you going to doubt it if Satan comes and whispers to you at night, well, you shouldn't have sinned like that? Are you going to allow that to shake your faith? No. The greatest power in the universe is now poured out with one goal to bring you to the finish line of faith, to bring forth your righteousness as the dawn. We can trust in His power. You know, Paul loved this idea. He was always directing the believers to that truth. Really quickly, you can look at his prayer in Ephesians chapter 1. Because he says, as he's praying for them, he wants us to be confident. He wants us to have unshakable confidence in God's love for us and in His power to bring it to pass. So, in, not to read the whole prayer, but 
Ephesians 1, 15 all the way down. But the verses that I'm talking about is that you might know what? That you might know, verse 19, what is the immeasurable greatness of the power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ whom He raised from the dead and seated Him at His right hand. That's the same power that's being poured out right now to make you a saint. It's being poured out right now. That's where our conviction comes from. That's where our uh, power to resist temptation comes from. It's the same power that raised the body of Christ from the dead. Isn't that amazing? What about His authority? And we don't even need to turn to this verse. But it says whenever He... It says... Jesus Christ, the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is seated at the right hand of God. Right? He's the boss. In other words, he had, He's in charge. The one who loves you and is all-powerful is also in charge. He's the one who holds the power. Is He going to use that power against you? Of course not. We've got to have that confidence. Right? And so we have verses like, when Jesus told His disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Me. And now, I'm sending you out. All authority. We have verses like in Philippians 2, that because of what Jesus did, now He's been given a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Satan has no authority over us. We've got to believe that. Those fiery darts, they hurt, they may sting, but they're powerless against us. That's amazing to think about. And one of the reasons they're robbed of their power is, of course, because he's not only seated at the right hand of God, but he is praying for you and me. He's interceding for us, right? And so we have all those beautiful scriptures in Hebrews telling us this is not some distant God that's powerful and He loves us. No, this is a God who came into the flesh, hungered, thirsted, faced the annoyances of this world. If you think about the trials that even His followers put Him through, He was tempted towards sin, just like you. But He never gave in. He withstood it. But if you ever wonder, does He know how it feels? Does He know how it feels to have that person at work that underestimates me all the time? He's always undercutting me and insulting me. No one was insulted more than Christ. He knows. And when you slip up, it's almost like He's saying, I get it. I know why. I was there. I didn't slip up, but I know exactly how it feels. And so he brings his wounds before the Father saying, forgive them. They're under my blood. And so we have all confidence. So I pray that's an assurance to us today that you are loved. You're accepted. Go forth in power. Nothing could ever work against you.
Nothing could ever, ever work against me. And so we can withstand all of those trials for His glory. Amen.